And if somehow you were able to sing a song now, bringing these boys together you, you haven't even met, and that your life is never the same again. But I'm telling you right now, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm gonna give you 15 more seconds. Walk hard, hard, walk hard, down life's rocky road, walk bold, hard, that's my creed, my goal. Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Review, the show where every week we pick something that we have nostalgia for. We then revisit and review it to find out whether or not our hindsight truly is 2020 or if we've just been wearing rose-tinted glasses. I'm your host, Connor O'Keen, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Michael Jobaz. Michael, how are you doing? Not doing too bad, you know. It's it's 2021, but, you know, things could be worse. They could be a lot worse. How, uh, how'd you figure? You could be cut in half by a machete. <laughs> nice. So it's all about perspective, isn't it? <laughs> it is all about perspective. And uh, I tell you what, my perspective is enormous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, this week we are hitting up Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, the 2007 American comedy film directed by Jake Kazdan, written by Kazdan and co-producer Judd Apatow. Uh, it stars John C. Riley as a uh, fictional rock and roll star uh, it's it's a parody of the biopic genre, which at the time I think was it's still quite popular, but um, especially around Oscar season. But around then we had um, Walk the Line came out in two thousand five, mm. and I feel like Ray had Ray. come out some years earlier as well. Yeah, a few years earlier. Uh, Those are the two that I like have watched and recognise, and I mm. recognise a lot of the like par- them parodying those specifically. I don't know if it's if there's more broader ones that I haven't noticed because i haven't seen those other films well i think the the thing about the biopic specifically the music biopic genre musician biopic genre is that they all follow that arch plot yeah yeah of like it starts in, in like in medias res it starts at like the end of their career or like before a, a significant performance or whatever and then literally like the, the line that, learn about his whole, yeah, he's, he's, he's got to think about his whole life before, before he plays please. this show <laughs> uh, and and you know sure enough it, it, it takes place like that uh but yeah so did you see this movie when it first came out no i saw it many years later well not many many like three or four years after i think i didn't see it in the cinema it wasn't mm-hmm. on my radar the same way that watching like Zoolander and Anchorman was mm-hmm. growing up. I feel like this one sort of didn't have as much buzz about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, kind of it absolutely under the didn't. Radar. It, completely. In fact, it um it flopped uh, at the box office. It made back just over half its budget. It had a budget of thirty five million, and at the box office, it made twenty point six. So it lost <laughs> money. Yeah. Um and. Really, really fucking uh, sh- a real shame because mm. it wasn't poorly received. It was very well received by critics. I, I can't, I've, I've been kind of racking my brain and I'd like to, to get your thoughts uh, on what do you think didn't resonate with, with audiences? What, what you know, didn't um, get people out in droves to see this the same way, you know, a Knocked Up or a Superbad or whatever uh, did? Because the poster for the movie says, you know, from the guy who bought you Knocked Up and Superbad, this was yeah. like peak Upper Tower fever. 
at the at the time. I saw this movie when it came out on DVD uh, that that year, or sorry, it came out in in December of two thousand seven. So I would have seen it in two thousand eight. Uh, and I fucking adored it off the bat, and I I come back to it with with some regularity just to hear certain jokes. Like it's 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 at the point now where I know it quite intimately, like I know it beat for beat, mm. but I just like hearing certain lines, yeah, uh, you know, said the the way they they uh, they are in this movie. There's no shortage of them, and we'll we'll get into that. But yep. uh, yeah, just just adored this flick. My uh, the cynical take, I want to say. It didn't resonate with audiences because it was too clever. It doesn't like the other Judd Apatow films are just surface level, mm. stupid, dumb, uh, immature jokes, mm. and that's basically all there is to them. Where this has that same type of jokes and uh, writing comedic style, and it delivered in that same way as well. But then mm. there's that undercurrent of incredibly funny satire that's completely like deconstructing the biopic thing oh, forget and deconstructing demolishing absolutely shitting swinging a re- john c Riley riding a wrecking ball through the biopic genre i feel like even if it flopped it seems like it kind of killed the biopic genre for a few years afterwards and it you're took right a while i can't to think get back like right now we've had a resurgence of rocket man and Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Yep, yep. Uh, there's and, a, and, a Starman, a David Bowie one's coming out yes, this year. Yep. We had uh, Straight Outta Compton yep. uh, a few years back as well. I think I think you, you might be right. I'd have to check the timeline on this. I haven't haven't looked this deep into it. But I think you might be right because it does feel as though there was a, a gap after after this. So maybe it, maybe it did what it needed to do mm. um, regardless of how successful it was. And it feels like um, some of those things like Straight Outta Compton, I haven't watched it, but from what I've heard, like it's not as cookie cutter the same as those other ones. They kind of yeah, I've heard took that a too. bit of time to go, okay, well, how do we kind of tell this well, a little it starts, bit differently? It starts out uh, a bit more engaging than uh, these other ones, uh, but sure enough kind of devolves into the tropes that this movie does so yeah, well at right. it pointing out as being stupid. <laughs> um, and I think uh, this is a movie that I, I hope, uh, man, I think that like people need to sit down and watch this movie before they go to make a biopic, a music biopic, and make sure they're not doing <laughs> any of the things that happen in this movie. Yeah, it's kind of the problem of like there's nothing wrong with having a trope in your film. Uh, like a trope isn't always a negative t- connotation mm. just by default. Mm-hmm. We have certain uh, storytelling styles or story structures for a reason because they're popular and people like to see that kind of thing. But when it's absolutely demolished, like you said in this yeah. movie, to the point of being like completely stupid, yeah, then you do want to try and avoid that because there's so much stuff in this and uh, Walk the Line, I've only watched the once and mm-hmm. I can confuse scenes between this movie and Walk the Line. <laughs> I haven't watched Walk Hard for a while. I'm like, which which scene was that movie from? Was that from the real one or the joke one? Because of how like close it follows uh, that's that so Johnny funny. Cash kind of yeah, yeah. formula. Uh, so I that's think, when um, you go, okay, this is going to make our movie, even after the fact, mm. or people watched it and liked it and took it seriously, but now after this movie has come out, People can't watch the original one with a straight face because it reminds them too much of Walk Hard. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, and I mean, I understand why uh, you said like there's nothing wrong with with formulas and stuff, and you're right. And I think uh, people like seeing uh, these stories told in in a in a way that's kind of conventional or, or safe, uh, palatable. I guess is the mm. right word. Um, because they're usually concerning subjects that people have uh, some sort of affinity for, and you know nobody wants to see a, a I don't know a biopic that paints the subject in like a bad light or in a, in a light that uh, makes them seem less than larger than life. Yeah, if you they're, know, they're I think, your hero and you're going into that movie, you don't want to. Yeah, yeah, but I think I, I think that's maybe like a a thing that people want but don't realize is not necessarily bad for them, but that the alternative uh, would be a f- far more enriching viewing experience. And uh, similarly, I think it's the same thing with the people who are producing these movies. And uh, often, I, I mean, in the case of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, two members of Queen are executive pr- producers on it. Straight out of Compton, Compton um, uh, Ice Cube's son is playing him in the in the fucking movie. Yeah. Like the, the people involved in the real life events have a stake in it. So I think it's it's kind of vetted, and and then uh, it do- doesn't so much become uh, dishonest, but it's it's feels less honest than it could be. Maybe I don't know how better to put that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's something that the pr- people producing these movies need to think on as well. Is that that uh, again? Yes, that this would guarantee them a, a, a huge a huge amount at the box office and probably some Oscar nominations, but. Do you, like what? What? What are you trying to say with this movie? You know, like, do you have a message that you want to communicate with this picture, or is it just a, a cash grab? Like, I don't know. It, it, I, I, I see like movies like Bohemian Rhapsody and A Star Is Born and stuff like that. I view them with some cynicism mm-hmm. uh, because they all do feel kind of cookie cutter, and I, I think they they feel, and I think it's the thing that makes this movie work so well, and 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 makes it such a scathing piece of satire is that they feel really self-important, really mm. self-aggrandizing and like they lack self-awareness and so they become just ripe for parody and which is why so much like the the scene where where Johnny Cash is pulling the sink out of the wall in in Walk the Line in here it's like played up over and over again every time he has a meltdown he pulls the sink out of the wall and it it parodies it in a way that you go like oh fuck I can't I can't take these movies seriously anymore. Yeah, you know, um, because they are fucking kind of ridiculous when you when you look at them. I think it's also the fact that they're trying to they're trying to capture a life, which, as we've talked about with with movies like um, Curious Case of Benjamin Button or even Zodiac, like taking place over decades and decades. That's that's no small feat. Uh, and I think the problem with these movies, it's a problem that even Walk Hard has to some degree, is that it, it becomes montage. Mm, Whereas yeah. in this, it's it's used to comedic effect. In a biopic, it just does become this thing where all these important moments are kind of presented with significance but not given enough time for the audience to feel that significance, yeah. if that makes sense. I think musical biopics could probably benefit from focusing on one part of the musician's life, a, a, a specific chapter, where there might be something to gleam from uh, that point in their life, some kind of uh, universality or a, a nugget of truth um, that can be taken from that person's experience. Yeah, I feel you know? like I've heard of one that that was the pitch where it was like, oh, it's a biopic, but it's like only 
centered around like these years of that artist's life mm. and not their whole life story. And I was like, that sounds interesting. Completely yeah. forgotten what it is. Oh, if you if you remember what it is, so- uh, or if, <laughs> at, at any point, I mean, like even after recording, let me know. I'd love to check that out. But anyway. Let's let's talk about this movie because this is a really good movie. It is, um, and I think uh, you mentioned uh, you think maybe it's like too clever or, or whatever. Uh, I, I I think I agree. Uh, I was thinking my my instinct on this was that uh, the the Judd Apatow movies that were doing well at the time were knocked up and super bad. That were the they were kind of stoner comedies and slacker comedies Absolutely and had a, had a really broad broad appeal. Mm. Whereas this is presented so straight faced. Um, it's it's shot like a uh like uh, an an Oscar nominee it's shot like Oscar bait yeah and uh it was reminding me giving me vibes of Blues Brothers and how we talked about their the level of absurdity that happens in that film and they're playing it straight faced mm-hmm. that's kind of what they do here yeah definitely there's a little bit of um it doesn't 100% stick to that style in this i think cuz then there's a little bit more like kind of breaking the fourth wall satire jokes that then don't yeah, completely gel uh, with that, like th- throughout. Like Blues Brothers has that consistency Blues to Brothers, it. Yeah, Blues Brothers has a dry quality to it. This is a little, a little more slapstick in parts, yeah. and I mean a little, a little more like uh, it's, it's like a middle ground between Blues Brothers and Airplane. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because it still has that. You know, it's a parody film, whereas the Blues Brothers isn't, isn't a parody film. No, you know? it's not. But uh, this, as as far as parodies go, is again we've said scathing. Uh, it's it's so fucking good off the off the bat. Starting with the the shot of the the stagehand running around trying to find him, and then there's that shot of him like backlit that looks like wall, it yeah, looks like Johnny Cash. Shit. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's all played so straight faced. Fucking uh, Tim Meadows coming in and doing the, you know. You don't have to give him a moment, son. Dewey Cox needs to think about his entire life before he plays. <laughs> his delivery is so fucking good. I rewatched Mean Girls recently, and his like deadpan is really—he um, has a really unique uh, bent on deadpan comedy delivery, mm. where it's it's there's like almost a bitterness that you sense, <laughs> in, yeah, especially in yeah. Mean Girls. It's really fucking funny. Uh, and then it cutting back to him as a kid um, with his brother. And just really hamming up the fact that something bad's gonna happen. Yeah, I love that the fact that it's like playing up the foreshadowing, and it's like, oh, we're young, we've got all of our lives to enjoy this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, yeah, okay, something bad's gonna happen. And then they kind of switch it, and then they go, and then you get to see them just playing in all of these really, really dangerous <laughs> situations. And it's like, okay, we don't know how this is gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's gonna happen. Yeah. The pivotal like accident being them having a, a play fighting with machetes, yeah, and the cover coming off and him chopping him in half. It's so like after all these things where it's like, oh, you could absolutely die viscerally doing that. This is so fucking goofy, yeah. And and I mean, obviously, you know, you can get hurt playing with machetes, but the fact that he's cut in half completely cleanly, clean, yeah, <laughs> and you got the gag of like. The top half on the ground and the the legs still standing. That the set's like built so up goofy. on a step so that they can have the actor sit in like a hole. Yeah, and it's yeah. just a bunch of hay around on the ground at the barn. So it's just like, oh, you cut me in half. <laughs> it's so goofy, but again, it's not um, it's not shot like a uh, like a other um, uh, other parody films of the time, like a scary movie. Um, uh, scary movie three and four would have would have come out 
kind of not around the same time exactly, but a couple of years prior. And it's not you look at like the way those movies are shot and the lighting in those in those movies and it's all quite flat. Um, it looks quite cheap in comparison. This is this really goofy prop comedy bit, but it's again still shot like a biopic. They never yeah. blanch. They never like let the the bit slip. And it continues like scene to scene. And and every actor really gives it their all as well. Every performance in this is fantastic. His uh Ma and Pa yeah. on Paul Cox, uh, fantastic. The mum being like freaking out when the the uh, son's you know cut in half and comes over and she's like, uh, when when Dewey's like, um, you know, Ma I can't smell nothing. She's like, you go smell blind. <laughs> you go get. You go to the general store and get us some butter and a candle. You gonna light us a candle tonight. <laughs> and it's such a sincere performance of such bizarre shit. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking wonderful. Yeah, the whole smell blindness thing is real, really funny to take that. It takes like most of the visuals from Walk the Line. So mm-hmm. this is sort of the the Ray stuff coming in. Mm, mm. Um, and, and the fact that they keep bringing it up as though like they're playing this this really stupid, inconsequential ailment uh, really sincerely. Like the yeah. next scene where she comes in and, and Dewey Cox is now her 14-year-old son. That's my favourite. <laughs> played by John C. Riley. Is it? Yeah, like there's all of these moments where they're playing on, there's the jokes that are the verbal ones and then there's all of these visual gags mm. that you're like, yeah, they do always like cast the adult actor way too young because they want to keep them for the majority of it and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, that, that delivery of- when she goes like, oh, I'm so proud of you that you learned to play the guitar <laughs> yeah. with no sense of smell and he's just like, it's all right now, Mama. I learned how to play by ear. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, it's okay, Mama. I learned to play by ear. And it's like, he oh, says God. it as though it's like still a feat. Yeah, yeah. Like he believes it as well. Uh, it also reminded me that, that um, you know, uh, I'm your 14-year-old son. That that stuff made me think of It's a Wonderful Life and like how we were talking about <laughs> yeah, you know, Jimmy Stewart um, Jimmy Stewart playing on a player on a 16-year-old boy. It's like... Yeah, really? But yeah, I think I think this performance or this sequence where he's really young and and uh playing the take my hand stuff, that whole scene made me laugh so fucking hard as a kid and I still think it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's, it's really strong. I, I think I don't think the movie's front loaded. Like I think it's consistently funny throughout, but I think it has such a strong start that I do find myself enjoying the first half of the movie a bit more than the second half. I have well, I, I feel similar, but I would say that I feel like the last 30 minutes of the movie, they kind of run out of jokes. I think the beginning, it's going a mile a minute. There's so many yeah. fucking funny jokes and it's all, yeah. and it's a, a nice mixture like we like to talk about with the Edgar Wright stuff. It's not purely just, they're just saying lines to the camera and yeah, it's shot it's very flatly. Editing, like it's, it's edited yeah. and it's shot, like you said. It's when like, they cut, what they cut there's to. A par- there's a parody level of the filmmaking aspect Mm. That, that is, yeah, that yeah, is they're there. parodying the way those movies are produced. Um, the way that, like I said, uh, he's 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 too old for being a young kid when he's mm. leaving home, and, and Kirsten Wiig's character is like, "What about me, Bobby?" And he's like, "Well, you're my girlfriend." Yes, yeah, silly. I pointed at you in the audience. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, those are they're making jokes <laughs> at the at those things that you were talking about of how quickly they need to get across information in these kinds mm. of movies that span a character's lifetime. Mm. That we see that and we understand that film vocabulary for oh they're in a relationship yeah and then they make a yeah. joke out of it or halfway into the movie suddenly we meet his manager and they just say as Bobby's lo- like career long manager this and you're like where <laughs> yeah. have you been for the first forty five minutes of the movie yeah exactly 
Um, or even uh, like later on where his uh, his son shows up after he's trashed his house and he's like, uh, this might sound strange, but what was your name again? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the I, I think you're right. Like the the last half an hour drags a little bit, and I think. I think there's still there's still jokes here and stuff. I think it starts to become a victim of the formula that it's parodying. Yeah, it does. That's what I feel it, like. It definitely it does. It starts to you it, you can feel it like the story starts like jumping through time quite significantly, and it feels like it's just ticking off all these plot points because that's what ha- what happens in biopics, and that's what happens in biopics, and that's what watching biopics music biopics feels like. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, it's while there are still jokes and stuff, and you're still going, "Huh," part of you is going. Okay, wrap it up. Like I get yeah, it. Yeah, they, they don't wrap it up quick enough because they are going through those things, and it's funny no. because the the first half of the movie is so fresh and mm-hmm. keeps you on your toes, and it's constantly there's there's gags out of something to be had. Mm. But also early in the movie, in like one of the first montage seg- seg- segments, they parody the montage segment by he starts uh, when he first sings "Walk Hard." in the mm-hmm. recording studio and then it cuts to the radio and they're like, we're playing rock hard. It was first that's recorded right. yeah. 35 minutes ago and it's already on <laughs> the top of the right. charts. And it's like, yeah, it's edited like it's a montage and you feel the passing of time, but there hasn't been a passing of time. And it's yeah. like he leaves the recording studio and is swamped by all of these fans wanting yeah. autographs and stuff. And then it goes and does do the boring passing of time montage, but without anything clever to do or say or show it just yeah it just is that yeah. boring cookie cutter yeah and they make some they make some jokes out of it but ultimately it feels like they had more jokes uh to make in the first hour like they had more jokes based around the first two acts of a biopic movie than the third act yeah and so the third act kind of suffers and just becomes kind of the third act of a biopic movie. Yeah, for sure. Like I think the the best montage in the later stuff is when he's like playing catch and then he's getting older playing <laughs> yeah. catch and it's like he now he's a 70-year-old and he's finally yeah. done playing catch with every child that he has sort of thing. And that's yeah, a funny yeah, idea. Yeah, that's, that's a good bit. And, and the, but there's um, a lot like of montage the, sequ- the different sequences kids at the end there. that he has and there's that one kid and he's like, you sure you're one of mine? And the, and the, kid, the guy doesn't even like say anything, just kind of smiles and nods. Yeah, I, look, there are some gags towards the end that I really uh, like. Although scrolling through as I'm as I'm talking about it, it's one gag that I really like is where he shows up to to reunite his old band, and he shows up to the drummer's house and just holds up a giant bag of weed, <laughs> <laughs> and he like smiles. And he's like, "Yeah, I I really love that. That makes me laugh so hard, especially after the last interaction with them." Yeah, the drug he's been like, "You never once, once paid, paid for, for drugs, drugs. Not, not once." once. <laughs> That whole bit's great, and then I love the the montage of uh, when he's playing "Beautiful Ride." I think that's a fantastic. I think finale. the song it at feels the end, like the finale is really good. Yeah, it's yeah. just that the rest of the act getting to that song. It really feels like they didn't have a, a strong idea of the jokes they wanted to make at the expense of a third act in a biopic. Mm. Um, but they had their finale plan. The, the finale, the finale is, is wonderful. fantastic. Yeah. Um, the the montage in the finale of like all the like cutting back to all the moments that we've seen. Yeah, that's really fun. Like, but we're seeing weird ones like when Elvis <laughs> is really weird that, like, and he's yeah, like, he's doing the karate chop, but then in the flashback, he's fucking pulling a knife on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the uh. The random like cutaway of to to uh, Dewey like delivering one of his babies or whatever, yeah. and it's like this weird jelly baby. Yeah, thing. yeah, it's it's the um it's the American Sniper baby before an American Sniper was made. 
Oh, where they just, they oh, just shake it American Sniper. to make it look yeah. like it's crying. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, it's completely it's so made of like shaking. latex. Yeah. The bit where it cuts to, um, uh, cuts back to like him and uh, Chris Parnell's character, like in, like on a dock and, <laughs> and in he's a shootout. Shot. <laughs> he gets shot to shit and then, and like thrown off and dies or whatever. And then, and it, then cuts it just cuts back, back, to, back to him playing. To present him <laughs> playing. <laughs> <The finale. laughs> That's fucking excellent. Yeah. Yeah, but but I think you you're right that that uh, third act does kind of um, drag a bit, and and the problem with it is is I always remember this movie being longer than it is. It's 96 minutes, but it does feel like a two hour flick. It feels really um, long for a 90 minute film. Of the yeah, because of the amount of time they try to cover and the sh- short nature of scenes, like when you have yeah, tons yeah. and tons of short scenes, it feels like lots and lots and lots is happening. Yeah, yeah. So by the time you get to uh, like him in rehab for the second time you're like fucking hell we must we must be nearing the end but no we've got him having the show having his like you know weird disco sketch show we've got yeah. him reuniting with his dad uh we've got him doing the catch and catching up with the kids and then we've got him becoming really old and then getting approached that's, by his producer think, or his manager's uh son and stuff i think that's the problem with the third act that they're it's lighter on jokes but the jokes that they do make are repetitive and I feel like those repetitive repeating jokes are really mm. good and they go maybe like one too many times. So there's like the yeah. drugs are like, you don't want any part of this. And then it's Viagra and he has to have that moment where he can uh, say no to it and not take yeah. it as like yeah. part of his redeeming arc. But it's mm. like, maybe you shouldn't have done five of those jokes. Maybe it should have only been four of them then because it yeah, feels a bit sure. long. All the pulling yeah. the um the sinks out. That it's like he's yeah, had his the, mum the die and then the dad dies, stuff. which yeah. like the dad dying is funny because he cuts himself in half with a machete <laughs> and then he yeah. apologises for realising how easy it is to accidentally <laughs> cut yourself in half with a machete. <laughs> yeah. But then for him to go through another stage of like mourning and grieving and falling off the wagon and pulling sinks out and like smashing up, up his apartment or then he's smashing yeah. up his car and it's like we've already seen this happen like three times. We don't need to see it a fourth. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Which again, like, and also, yeah, going to rehab twice is, it feels like that's the kind of thing that they, that you, when you're doing another script, like another draft of the script, you go, okay, this is a bit long in the tooth. Hey, here's two similar moments that are almost the same scene. How can we combine them into one scene that drives the story forward more while saving time? Yeah. Again, it's, and we mentioned or like alluded to kind of jokingly at the end of last episode when saying we're going to do Walk Hard. Don't watch, you know, make sure you watch the theatrical cut. Ooh. Don't watch the extended version, um, the, you know, the uncut version uh, because it just makes it longer and the stuff they add in. And and this is something I wanted to, to run by you. I think extended cuts of comedy movies seems like just a bad idea. Like that seems I don't really think stupid. Un- un- I don't think I've seen one where I'm like, that's, that's an improvement. That's better. No, because what you cut out of a comedy movie, uh, especially this kind of comedy movie where it's of the era that it is, it's a Judd Apatow produced movie. So the stuff that they cut out, that they put back into the longer version, is the improv that wasn't that good. Yeah. It's the uh, the stuff that you kind of go, that's not that funny. It, it's the stuff that labours a joke to the point of not being funny. Yeah, the same way that I feel like doing the same joke four times in the film is a bit too much repetitiveness. Yeah, yeah. Their improv style of, that's when it does kind of just fall flat and it just becomes them saying whatever they can think up of that's trying to be funny and there's not yeah. There's not all of these well-crafted jokes around that. 
Yeah. They're just saying stupid shit. Yeah, and there's like there's bits and pieces of that in this. Like you can tell which lines are uh, improv and, and which, which ones are the, the scripted ones. Yeah, but there's a good mix, and they keep the the improv stuff that they've kept is the stuff that works. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's it's good to have that like solid something to start with and go. Okay, we've actually made it plan on how this will be funny. We're not just going to hope. Yeah, but yeah, like there's nothing wrong with improving, and and when something happens that's funnier than what it, how it was written down. Yeah, going totally. with that. But it comes back to what we were talking about with Black Dynamite, where there are outtakes in the credits that show mm. alternate versions of jokes that are longer versions of the jokes. None mm. of them are funnier than the version they use in the film. Yeah. And yet it's already, like we said, it's a 90-minute film. The extended cut adds 24 minutes to oh, that. Oh, God. I can't that's ridiculous. imagine... Um, I think I have watched the extended version, but I can't remember it and I can't imagine. No, I got halfway through the extended version of this movie and it was ruining my memory, tarnishing <laughs> my memory of this movie. So I stopped it, found the the theatrical version and started again. And it was an immensely uh, improved viewing experience. Mm. The laughs were coming quicker, harder and just more consistently. And, and again, the first hour of this movie, uh, particularly particularly the first, like, I'd say half an hour of this movie, up to when he starts doing the, the, the drugs and stuff, mm. um, or up to when his mother dies, uh, even up to, like, let's say, like, the 45-minute 40 mark, mark where he breaks up with um, uh, his wife where he goes to rehab and stuff. Um, I, I'd say... Oh, look, I'm looking at it right now. I think everything up to the Beatles stuff is gold. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That's why I think it's like the the first hour is good, the last half hour or the last yeah. 24, five minutes yeah, because the yeah. last five minutes is gold again. Yeah. Doctor! Doctor! I'm so cold! We need more blankets! We need more blankets! He has too many blankets. Fewer blankets! Yeah, I'm hot and cold at the same time! He needs more blankets and he needs less blankets. I'm afraid you're right. <laughs> so good. But again, the way it's shot makes that absurdity of how they're delivering those lines even funnier. Yeah, totally. Because it's that weird, like, really close fish-eyed... He's like shaking yeah. in the bed, and the color like, grade's all cold and yeah, gritty. it's really green, <laughs> and it's like all of the cut. There's no cuts; it's all like fades, and they're all just like fading in between the shots. And there's all yeah, this transparency yeah. of him going, huh, huh, and like <laughs> shaking around in the bed. I think to the the first hour when they're like moving through the time periods and the different kinds of music and stuff. Uh, each one feels like quite distinct. Yeah, and the songs in this movie are so fucking catchy. They're really good. They're legitimately yeah. like great songs, mm-hmm. and and that adds another level, like layer to that comedy. There's not just gags and visual gags and editing gags and lighting and things like that, but it's like the songs themselves are really funny. Yeah, yeah, and they're and parodying performed. a certain style of music or something, but they're performed yeah. really well as, as well. So they per- get stuck yeah, in your head. Performed incredibly faithfully. John C. Riley has an uh, an excellent voice. Yeah, and, and can like do all these different styles really well. Like uh, him doing the take my hand thing, <laughs> and the yeah. the audience losing their fucking minds is so funny because he has this like sweet, you know, uh, like forties, you know, schoolboy kind of 
thing going on yeah. and seeing the audience like erupt into chaos and there's that one fat guy who just vomits through his hand. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Yeah, I love how like, yeah, everybody's so risque suddenly dancing. They're like, this yeah, is the devil's all, music. All the kids are bopping and the, the guy just like punches the priest and then there's like, there's one shot of like just this old man in overalls with his fists up kind of just looking around and punching people. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Uh, and then the hard cut to the, the people outside his house with the fucking pitchforks and And the torches. priest is inside and he's like, do you know who has hands? The devil. <laughs> the devil. <laughs> he uses them for holding. Uh, that is that that line makes me laugh so fucking hard every time. That's one of the ones I, I, I look forward to hearing. And the the bit where he performs uh, with... Shad, uh, Shad and the Bad Men was it was I think the yeah when he gets his first break because he's working as a a cleaner and yeah that dancing it's Bobby, like Bobby e- Shad and the Bad Men it's yeah, yeah, even yeah. heightened where it's like ridiculously erotic dancing when they're just yeah. <laughs> like he it's finishes like his smart. song and it cuts to a wide of this of the stage in front where everyone's dancing and they're all basically just dry humping on the ground yeah. like a big orgy <laughs> I love that and and the the there's some gags leading up to that that make me laugh really hard too, like where he he gets that opportunity, like they've got to find a way to, like, for Bobby Shad to be like out of commission for the night and he's sitting there with like broken hands and he's like, I complain. And he's like, yeah, you should have thought about that before you punched your landlord while you, while you got the laryngitis. It's like Yeah, two so completely fucking, unrelated yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking wonderful. And then when he gets up there and starts talking like Bobby Shad Ooh. and like all of the people in the room are looking at him like, what the fuck? And That's even spicy. like the 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 pianist stops playing and like looks at him. Uh, that is so fucking funny. I love like, that joke. I, I watch his show every night. I can perform <laughs> it just like him. <laughs> oh god! And he starts doing the voice. It's it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, really wonderful. And then the the uh, the the uh, the suits from the record label mm. are all like the acidic juice. Yeah. And the, um, the main uh, Mister Mister Lakayam, played by uh, uh, Harold Ramis. Mister Lakayam is yeah, played yeah. by Harold Ramis. It's like so nice seeing him uh, in a, a modern comedy role. Yeah. Uh, and doing a fantastic job. Yeah. Like I feel like when I was I was trying to think of like oh what's uh, going to hold up and what's not going to hold up. And those were the, the things. There was the two songs. There was that one that I was thinking, yeah. like, that's a bit spicy. And also the midget song when he's uh, oh, in the yeah, 60s yeah, yeah. and he's all, like, yeah. rallying for causes. But I feel like they know that it's offensive I think at that's the time the point. and that's the joke. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, uh, it's, it's the scene where he's doing the Bobby Shad thing. The people in the room react appropriately. appropriately like, yeah. They're shocked and appalled, and and the uh, the humor comes from the fact that uh, when he starts playing, everyone kind of goes, "Oh, okay," because his performance is genuinely good. Yeah, um, it's it's doing their uh, that that music. It's not doing that music a disservice. Mm. It's well performed, and it's also funny because uh, in the context of the kind of movie that they're parodying, that's what has to happen. Yeah. You know, it's like he needs um, to get his big break, and again, it's all really uh, abbreviated so quickly that it's like, yep, the record label showed up and they gave him a record deal, like just from hearing him sing once, because we've got to move the plot along. Or even yeah, when um, yeah. when he's leaving home and his girlfriend is like, 
I will always support you 100% and this and that. And then like the next scene, it's been one year and she's got the baby and she's like, you need to give up on your dreams. Yeah, yeah. And like uh, even during like phone calls, she's like, all right, bye. You'll never make it. I love you. Yeah. Even um, after they've made it and they have a house and stuff, she's like, you need to give up on this. And he's like, yeah. what? <laughs> I, I would say um, with the the Bobby Shad scene where he's uh, singing the, you know, you got to love your Negro man and stuff. I think the... The reason that joke works, and I, I'm not a fan of um, leaning on this as a hard and fast rule, but I think it's applicable here, is that, um, and I, I really don't uh, often like using this phrase, but again, it's applicable here, is that it's not punching down. It's not making fun of yeah black people. It's it's uh, it, like the humour comes from the absurdity of the situation. They're, they're well aware that it's distasteful. That's That's the point. I feel the same about the little people and they're all there with their like uh, Black Panther signs and stuff, but it's yeah. the, the midget panther movement or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But then all of the examples that he's singing in the song about how they're like mistreated and second-class citizens, they're all really stupid, absurd things. Yeah, yeah. Like well, that and, and the, I'll the, lift the you up is so that... like the dog can't lick your face and stuff. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. And the the humor is coming from that character lacking self awareness and b- doing this with such a, a self righteous attitude. Um, I mean, the scene that precedes it is him saying, "Like, you know, I want to do stuff for the common people." And they're like, "You mean like, you know, for I can't remember the lines exactly, but it's like, oh, you mean you want to do this for this cause?" And he's like, "No, more like midgets and such." It's <laughs> like he's he he's got this warped idea of what uh, you know activism. Uh, is or like what how, how he can contribute to the world it's mm. it's all about him it's performative and that's what's funny about it yeah it reminds me of um watching some people get what uh reacting to like Seinfeld clips today and them mm. getting so offended and being like this is ridiculous how could that have fly- flown back then and it's like no no that's the joke the whole point of Seinfeld is that they're absolute asshole terrible people yeah. and they're yeah, doing exactly. terrible things Mm. That's the whole premise it, of the show. They're not supposed to. Nobody saw that back then and went, this is an okay way to act. Yeah, and suddenly yeah. it's like flown by under the radar that it was like, yeah. oh, this wasn't an okay way to behave. It's like the the whole show is making fun of that fact. And I feel yeah, like that's the, kind the, of what that is here. Yeah, absolutely. The The show in the, in the context of Seinfeld, I think the thing that made it so funny uh, as well is that it was having these people act in a way that we know we shouldn't act like or that we occasionally do and feel deeply ashamed of like it was uh uh holding a mirror up to to that kind of like weird middle class neuroses and going you know you fucking think like this occasionally and you're a fucking idiot for doing so <laughs> but here's how it would ha- how that stuff plays out if you if you go along with it it's mm. it's i mean Kirby enthusiasm is is Larry David like basically playing himself if he had none of the uh self-awareness or foresight that keeps us from being fucking idiots and assholes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I adore that that uh, the Bobby Shad scene, and then the uh, sequence of them in the booth playing um, that's Amore and the the producer being like the uh, he was like my mom and liked it very much. Your mother's wrong. Yep, and just shutting them down. And again, it's that 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 like uh, perfect setup that we sort of already know and understand. He's like, nope, you've lost your shot. You, The thing you would have to play right now to redeem yeah. yourself. There is nothing you could do. And then the, he like... Uh, he, it is literally he just like goes... The, 
walk hard and he just turns yeah. around to them like he looks <laughs> yeah. behind him he's like and starts like shaking his head Nodding. like yeah, yeah he's got something <laughs> i love that he they even the like that scene where he's like he really spells it out like it's so on the nose uh like there's nothing you could do in the next 20 seconds that will change my mind and he follows it up with and uh, uh I trusted you because uh, you, these Jewish gentlemen brought you in, and they usually have good t- good faith, uh, good taste. But frankly, your uh, your performance has shaken my faith in the Jewish people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I think um, uh, John C. Riley's performance and delivery in this uh, is so sincere that mm. it makes like he he makes lines that would come across as distasteful or mean spirited in uh, coming out of the 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 face. Of like uh, even even like Will Ferrell, I'm not a big Will Ferrell fan, mm-hmm. um, or uh, Adam Sandler, or like other kind of um, popular co- uh, comedic actors um, that would be put in a role like this. Uh, like I I don't think this movie would hold up as well if it didn't have John C. Riley's uh, charisma. I think it's perfect casting because they're going for that Oscar bait looking really dramatic, like artfully crafted looking film. Mm. And John C. Riley does a lot of dramatic acting as well as comedic acting. Yeah, and he yeah, has the chops. chops to pull off a, a serious role. So I think he brings that to this, and it's a really nice yeah. combination of dramatic yeah. stuff and and silly stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's what makes that finale work so so fucking well. Yeah, because uh, there's, there's still act he, like there's actually heart in it. Yeah, yeah, he he brings in a, a genuine uh, sense of emotion to it. It's fucking awesome. And we talked. We've talked about like the montages feeling being a bit fatiguing towards the end, and the whole movie feeling um, kind of like one uh, extended montage, to, especially towards the end of the movie. But the montages that, or the the uh, really overt montages that they do use, I think, are used to great effect, um, especially early on in the piece. The uh, them them being on tour for the first time. Uh, and getting all the the fame and recognition, the again the you know ah oh, this is walk uh, walk hard that was recorded thirty five minutes ago and stuff like that. They find ways to chuck jokes like that in um, the sequence where that guilty as charged is playing and it's him on drugs and like passing out on stage. Um, and yeah, at one point that's it, awesome. it cuts to uh, him in bed with some woman. He's like, Jesus Christ, this is a dark fucking chapter. Like <laughs> yeah, 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 just yeah. like on the nose. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. I like how they um, point so much attention to the other celebrity characters that they are like constantly <laughs> saying their names over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. oh, geez, what is Buddy Holly? And <laughs> <laughs> and then especially you get to that in the with the Beatles. We're nothing but grains of sand. That was freaking transcendental, Paul McCartney. Don't you agree, John Lennon? Yes, Dewey Cox. With meditation, there's no limit to what we can. Imagine. What do you think, George Harrison, of the Beatles? I don't know. You know, I'm just trying to get some more songs on the album. You know. And as Ringo Starr, I'm not so interested in meditation. I just like to have fun. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Paul Rudd. Yeah, oh, he, doing and, and um, he fucking forgotten. gets me every time. I've forgotten his name. The the guy who plays uh, Gideon in Scott Pilgrim is plays Ringo, and he's got like he's doing the lips the whole time. Yeah, like, he's doing this like weird pursed lips thing. So fucking funny. They're all so good. I, I really love the the sequence where he's going through. It's it's when we were talking about the the little man bit uh, where he's going through his Bob Dylan phase, and it's it's, it's shot <laughs> like uh, it's "Don't Look Back" is a, a, a Bob Dylan movie uh, or doco that 
it's it's shot really faithfully to look like that. All the interview footage and stuff, it's all black and white and grainy yeah. and, and kind of has this fly on the wall quality to it. It's really awesome. And that that bit where he's doing the like and it cuts backstage <laughs> in his van, like, what the fuck is he talking about? And the drummer's like, You guys, you guys are idiots. idiots. This song is very deep. <laughs> that that line lives in my head rent free and will, will come to the surface very very frequently whenever i hear as a piece of music that is just fucking esoteric to a fault i'm like you guys are idiots the song is very deep <laughs> the uh the yellow submarine little cartoon sequence is fun mm. uh, i love the like their sh- their shitty accents that they're like yeah. breaking, like Jack Black goes into a Scottish accent. <laughs> yeah, it's got such an improvisational quality to it. I feel like it's the it's the most improv-y portion of the movie. Yeah, uh, and I'm glad it's kind of limited to this bit. It's just one scene, really. Yeah, all the stuff with Darlene's really good. Uh, she's mm. fucking awesome. Their chemistry is so funny. Like that's yeah, another yeah. montage that's really good where they're doing all sexual innuendo things <laughs> during the duet. Yeah, and then they're just then he's just riding a horse and he's just like humping it as they're riding. <laughs> and yeah, that duet is so such a like that's probably the funniest song I think. Just outright like comedic lyrics. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's the one that has the the most like overtly. It's just like funny innuendo lyrics. after innuendo line. I'm gonna beat off all my demons. Yeah, and because it has that back and forth thing where they finish each other's lines, the the first half always sounds really suggestive, and then the second half uh, corrects the course, I guess, to be you know something innocent. And then there's the the last line that <laughs> she delivers that flips it. Here I am, sneaking behind you. You can always come in my back door. Oh, like, oh. <laughs> so funny. I love the bit where he's breaking up with uh, with his first ro- first wife. Yeah, it's, it's it's it carries that that through line of there's not enough time. The conflict just has to like come and resolve itself really quickly. Like yeah. I like that he's he's like, yep, let's get married so we can have sex. But it's also it's already skipped over the part where he needs to break up with the first wife before he can get with yeah. the second wife, and then it kind yeah, of yeah. like. Uh, all crashes together in the in that scene where it's mm. like oh fuck we forgot to we forgot to do that scene <laughs> before before this part of the movie yeah that is a funny way of looking at it i think that uh that finale too is a great way of having all of these characters like pretty much every character that he's had any interaction with is like in the audience or like is cut to is brought back in some way in that finale yeah it's um, great and it, it's a really it's it's great and it does kind of save the movie it does cement the movie in in my mind as being one worth revisiting. I think mm. if it had a flatter ending, um, then the the last half an hour would really drag it down and it's not something I would revisit uh, as often as I do. It's the attack of the clones effect, like I, like I like to call it. Kids will go into that movie that's fucking like, I think that movie's like two and a half hours long mm. and it's a bunch of boring bullshit uh, politics and like research and wild goose chases and no action at all. Last 25 minutes packed full of lightsaber fights mm. and kids like me included bloody like 11 year old me jumped out of the cinema being like that was so fucking awesome because <laughs> yeah if, if you've got the last that last bit of your movie being really really impressive and ending on a high note yeah it kind of like every like your entire film experience is kind of wrapped up in that last that last like yeah. sort of emotion you have leaving the cinema 
Yeah, definitely. And it does end on such a, a high note. And there's that last, uh, I, I love that they managed to sneak not only one last gag in, but one last kind of dig at the biopic is that so many of these end with a freeze frame or like a fade to black and then some text explaining what the rest of that person's life entailed. And mm. here it's like, freeze frame, do we die three minutes after this performance? And then the next shot is like him kind of like clutching his <laughs> chest like on stage. So fucking funny. It's good. The one thing I think in the, in the um, finale that doesn't work is the manager dying and then appearing as a force ghost with the rest of his family. <laughs> yeah, it, that is a, it is kind of too stupid. It's just a little bit too much. Like I think the four, them appearing as force ghosts is a little bit stupid already. Like yeah. in the other scenes when he's appeared, he's been lit in a way that's like very um, ethereal and stuff, but this is just straight up like they're transparent and they have a blue outline. Yeah, it's, it's like there is, it's a Star Wars. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's Luke looking over at the end of Return of the Jedi and seeing Vader and Obi-Wan and Yoda. Yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah, like I think that yeah, we could have lost that because yeah, the freeze frame is really funny. Um, and yeah. there's also did you, there's, I I didn't hadn't seen it until this watch through. Did you, there's an after credit scene. That's another joke. Um, and it's scroll through. And it's a it's an old black and white piece of film, and it's John C. Riley, but he's done up with makeup to look slightly different, and he's playing Walk Hard slightly differently, and it just has a bit of um. Text that comes up saying the real Dewey oh, Cox. Ah, wow. No, I, I've never seen this before. I'm looking at it now. That's really awesome. I like that. Both that and the freeze frame at the end, it's sticking yeah. with the. I the, guess the, 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 the problem with the force. Yeah, the problem with the force thing. ghost um, thing is that it is. Uh, yeah, it, it, it kind of abandons the the bit and negates yeah, the, the premise. Yeah, the premise. It's a bit just, oh, what random pop culture joke can we make a thing of? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and even if they didn't have the blue outline and it felt less like a force ghost thing, um, it's still kind of out of out of left field a bit. Like for a movie that's played kind of it played itself quite straight faced or quite grounded mm. um, for the rest for the most part. Well, I feel like that doesn't need to be a, a joke. It that can actually be the emotional like hit of oh, I finally did my brother proud by I finally yeah, wrote that yeah. masterpiece, and yeah, it could have been yeah, just yeah, yeah. a really nice moment, not trying to be funny. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I yeah, think it could have earned point. it that way. Uh I think I think on the whole, like I will absolutely come back and, and watch this movie again. Uh I'll probably give it a, a couple of years before I do, but I'll undoubtedly watch it again. I find it really enjoyable. Mm. Um again, so many lines live in my head rent free. <laughs> uh and I, I really look forward to hearing them every time the every it, I know it's I know it's kind of done to death by the end of it, but the Get out of here, Dewey. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. <laughs> Makes me laugh so hard. Uh, that dude's delivery is fucking fantastic. It is. It's fantastic. great delivery. But mm. that's like my favorite one is the first one with the marijuana yeah. and the yeah, reefer. Yeah. He's like, yeah, it's not yeah. habit forming. Yeah. It sounds kind of expensive. It's the cheapest drug there is. <laughs> <laughs> I really also like the, um, the, what are you guys doing? Uh, we're popping pills, uppers and downers. It's the logical no, next for, step for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all those, all those lines are really good. Yeah. So, and I think it. I think on the whole, it holds up uh, immensely well. I think of all of those Judd Apatow films, it still stands um, like a cut above the rest. Yeah, I think because it has the uh, like the craft behind it, as mm. well as the the jokes being really top tier. It 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 does. 
uh, hold up a lot better, I think. Or there's it, maybe it doesn't hold up a lot better is not what I mean so much as it, there's more to it. There's more to appreciate about it on the whole. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that sentiment. And again, it should be should be compulsory viewing for anybody intending to make a biopic. Yeah, absolutely. If your movie if your movie makes does any of the things that happen in in Walk Hard, start over. So so saith so saith two cunts in Melbourne that have never made a biopic. <laughs> we know better. Biopic. We know better than to try and make a fucking biopic after Walk Hard <laughs> came in and fucking nuked the landscape, salted the earth, so no biopic will grow. Anyway, that's uh, that's it, I think. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, if you'd like to support us, the best thing you can do for us is share the podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, rating and reviewing is also very helpful. And let's not forget, you can support us somewhat mon- monetarily uh, over at Patreon. Uh, I say somewhat, I mean somewhat in relation to how much money you want to give us. It's absolutely yes. going to be monetary. It, you can't <laughs> support us on Patreon for nothing. It is mandatory. It's more of... If you are in a position that you want to and can afford to mm-hmm. support us financially. That's it. And if you can't, um, then you should feel bad and you should retweet and like and post and smash and smash that like button. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, make some money and then give it to us. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to know what you thought of this week's episode or any episode. In fact, you can hit us up at Rose Tint Review on Twitter or Rose Tinted Review on Facebook and Instagram uh, and tell us what is your favourite song from Walk Hard That's and Dewey Cox? That's definitely what I want to know. You read my mind. Yeah. It's what is your so favourite? so fucking good. It's funny. Uh, it's hard It's hard for me to pick and I'm someone that doesn't generally like music and I mm-hmm. find all of the songs in this really fucking good. Yeah. Uh, it's probably going to be a out of Walk Hard or Guilty as Charged. I was going to say, those are those are two of my favourites as well. I really like Beautiful Ride as well. It is um, nice. And uh, if you, have you listened to the soundtrack on Spotify? Nope. Give it a look because there's the full Starman cover on there as well. Full Starman uh, cover? Yeah, oh full my Starman God. cover, dude. You know how to get um, me excited. I absolutely do. So, yeah, let us know what is your favourite. Next episode, what, what are you following this up with, Michael? I thought of something... Right off the top of my head, before recording, oh my that kind God. of fits in the the case of really absurd comedy, ooh, and but also uh, following that through in the craft of how it's shot and performed. Oh, okay. So I was thinking we could do a little TV series called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All right. Hey, hey, we're hitting up some uh, some different stuff in terms of format already this year. Video game, We've TV been series, as a movie podcast. We got to fucking do some other things. <laughs> Get some audio books in there. <laughs> some cereal yeah, boxes, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lunch boxes, dude. We're working it up, working our way up to it. Oh, dude, that's that's the dream. That's the real money. Um, not Patreon lunchboxes. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Fund our lunchbox Kickstarter. Um, so, if you want to follow along, we strongly recommend checking it out. How many episodes? It's only like six episodes. It's quite yeah, it's quite, quite short. short. It's, it's like six or eight, I think. Yeah, and they're only like twenty it's, minutes um, a pop. Yeah, twenty minute episodes, but so not very much, not, fucking good. not that much longer than an actual film. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, check it out and join us next time when we will find out whether or not our hindsight truly is 2020 or if we've just been wearing rose-tinted glasses. It's a, it's a
It's a beautiful ride.